Good morning, church. My name is Kamar, if I haven't met you. And I'm just curious, have you guys ever been to a party that was so over the top that as soon as you walked in, your jaw hit the ground and you were just staring at everything around you in amazement? Last month, I got to go to my, my sister Zaina's wedding and she had a traditional Lebanese wedding. I don't know if you guys have ever been to one of those, but they are loud. They are extravagant. They are opulent. She had so many amazing things there. She had amazing Arabic food, tons of really loud Arabic music. She had a zafe. If you guys know what a zafe is, they're an entertainment group and they dress up in Lebanese folkloric costumes, and they have these huge drums, and they're just drumming, and they're playing pipes, and they're shouting, and they're dancing, and they're singing, and it's just such a joyful, joyful occasion. And I don't think words quite do it justice, so I brought a little bit of video for you guys, all right? Let's <laughs> check this out. I look just like my wife and I's wedding. Yeah, I know, yeah. right? <laughs> totally, exactly the same, right? Yeah. So my favorite part about this video is what you actually can't see or hear in it. Um, so there were fireworks as a part of their processional into the reception hall. Yes, fireworks inside the building, which you might imagine sets off a fire alarm every now and again, right? So the fire alarm is going off, the fire department is rolling up, lights and sirens. You can't hear it at all in this video. That's how loud the drums were. It was amazing. It was such a great party. I loved it so much. And today we're going to be talking about the kingdom of God through a parable that Jesus tells, and he compares the kingdom of God to a party. And so while this wedding was a wedding for the record books, it's just a shadow. It's just a taste of what the party in God's kingdom is like. And the best part, this amazing party, is, is not just a party that's being had and we can kind of hopefully hear stories about it. God's throwing a party and we're invited to the yeah. party. And I mean, it means we have some requirements that need to happen and, and it's going to be awesome. We'll share more about that. But we're invited to this party. We get to go and experience all of the awesomeness. I mean, I didn't get invited to that wedding, yeah, so sorry. I don't know why. Uh, but, <laughs> but I'm invited to this party, which is going to be awesome. And what I love about this idea of a party and when it comes to what God's kingdom will look like, it's actually something that the New Testament scholars um, in, in their writing and even the New Testament authors, they actually purposefully called all the miracles that Jesus did in the New Testament, they called them signs. Because signs point us to what God's kingdom is actually going to look like. And think of the first sign or miracle that Jesus performed. It was at a wedding and he turned water into wine. He said, y'all need to learn how to party. Right? He turned yes. the party up. He said, we're going to keep partying. You're partying in the incorrect way. But this is a sign of the kingdom to come. The kingdom to come will be an amazing party that will never end. Yet, you won't want it to end. It's like one of those moments that you've had with a loved one that you're like, I wish this moment would never end. It's experiencing that for eternity. That's the party that we get invited to. And so every time you see invitation or banquet in scripture, it's actually this allegory for the coming kingdom of Christ. And so he's saying, hey, this is what my kingdom looks like. It's a party. And you get to have a lot of fun. You get to be there because you're invited for it. But you think about how we structure our parties. 
Right? He turns this upside down, but, but we structure our parties by, we like to invite certain people to the parties. Uh, when my wife and I were getting married, you, you write your guest list and then you have to pare it down, right? Because you can't pay for everyone, right? Yeah. You pare it down. But then you're like, well, I have family that lives, you know, maybe out of the country. You're like, I'm not going to invite them. They're not going to make it. But then you're like, no, we are going to invite them because they might send a little envelope. And in that envelope might be a little too, right? Exactly. You're like, we'll invite them still and they can come to the party. And, and you start to think about the people that can do things for you. And in our guest list, we have what we call this like uh, reciprocity idea. We're like, I'll invite you to the party and then you bring me gifts. I'll invite you and you do something for me. And even when you're invited to a party, you ask yourself, what's in it for me? Why do I need to go? Are you going to be able to pay me back for this next time I have a party? And Jesus really throws this upside down as we read in the book of Luke. We're going to be in Luke chapter 14. We're starting in verse 15, but I kind of want to unpack what's happening so far in this story. Uh, Jesus, it's the Sabbath. Jesus is at a Pharisee's house. And uh, the text would actually tell us that this Pharisee is kind of looking closely at Jesus to see if he's going to mess up or do anything wrong. Um, This Pharisee has some questions about Jesus. And maybe just like us, we have some questions about Jesus. Are you really that good? And so he kind of, he's at this table and the Pharisee's like, "Well, we'll kind of see what this is about. And in walks someone who is sick and who needs healing. And it's on the Sabbath. Jesus looks at the Pharisee and says, hmm, well, since the Pharisee understands the law and everything, the Torah, they've read everything, they know all the laws, and they have it all lived out, and they do everything perfectly, Jesus says, I'll just ask him a question. Is it against the law to heal on the Sabbath? The Pharisee, I can imagine his eyes just being like, I don't know that one. (laughs) So he doesn't respond. And Jesus does Jesus things, and he goes, uh, you're healed. He heals the person. And everyone breaks out and is like, it's on the Sabbath, you shouldn't be doing this. And then Jesus is like, you're doing your banquets incorrectly. You invite all of the, the people of high settings and high standards, and you want all of them to come, and you hope that they can bring something back and give you something and bring you gifts. That's not how we do parties in the kingdom. The parties in the kingdom are all turned upside down, where everyone is welcome and nothing is required. And as they're hearing this, someone breaks out. In Luke 14, starting at verse 15, when one of those at the table with him heard this, all that Jesus said, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Uh, that word blessed, we, we did a series on this idea, it's, it's uh, makarios, um, it's, it's what we call a macarism that's, that's saying blessed are these people, happy are these people, these people have figured it out. So this person, realizing that this kingdom of God is a banquet that people are invited to, he's like, oh my goodness, you will be blessed if you go to that feast. How many of us want to be blessed? Amen. Right? Yeah. A few of us. A few of us don't want to be blessed. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. I just, you get to choose. Yeah. Uh, hope, hopefully as we read, you'll be like, I actually do want some blessing. I'll take some. Uh, verse 16. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant out to tell those who had been invited, come, for now everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. Don't we do that? The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. It's a really lame excuse. (laughs) Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen. A a yoke is is this bar and beam that would actually hold two oxen. So five yoke of oxen would mean 10 oxen. So he buys these animals and he's like, I bought five yoke of oxen and I actually need to go and, and try them out. I need to go see what it's all about. So please excuse me. And verse 20. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. I mean, that one I kind of, you know, kind of makes, makes a little sense. 
Uh, but you're, you're given this great invitation to this amazing party that's better than the video that we saw, that's better than anything we could ever say from this platform, that's better than anything you could ever understand or imagine, that's better than the best moment that you've ever had in your life, repeated over and over again, that's better than anything you've ever experienced. You got the invitation. What do we do with invitations? You have to respond. You receive the invitation, then you respond to God's invitation. The fact that we are welcomed and we are invited and we are wanted at this party should blow our minds. I didn't do anything to get there but I have to respond, I have to do something. And this is where many people as an outsider looking in into uh, the faith in Jesus Christ, uh, Christianity as it's known as um, Christ-likeness, they look out and they say, that's what we don't like about this whole Jesus thing, is it's so exclusive. My response, you're right. You're right, it's very exclusive because there's only one way to Jesus. But here's the inclusive part, everyone's invited. That's good. Oh, so it's, it's an inclusive faith, yes. Everyone's invited, and there is only one way. So it's exclusively inclusive. So join us. But, but I have to respond to it. What am I, what am I going to do? And notice the, the master says, this great banquet is happening. The master is God himself, Jesus, right? Saying, there's this great banquet, and he sends out uh, the servants. He says, I want you to go tell the, tell the people, come, for everything is now ready. And notice that question. It's not even a question. It's a command. Not like when people ask us, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have dinner tomorrow night. Do you want to come by? And you're like, oh, what time to what time? Because I'll probably come by for 15 minutes. You know, like it's, it's like a when. That's how we respond to invitations. Like, we'll see how long I'm going there, like an amount of time. Uh, this, this command is, is not a, a question of when. It's actually a command of, of if. Are you going to be there or not? Not a matter of time and, and when you'll get there and how long you're going to be. Are you going to be there or not? Because you won't want to leave. It's everything you've ever imagined. Are you going to be there? And I think about the ministry of Jesus is he didn't come and like start a project or create a, a, some type of ministry or, or create some type of event that we needed to go to or create something we needed to sign up for. All he did was sit down at a table and say, eat with me. This is why you see all throughout scripture, Jesus going places and eating. This is why you see the book of Revelation, last book in the Bible. He knocks on the heart, the door of our hearts and says, would you let me in? And if you open the door, he will come in and then eat with us. This is what the kingdom of God is all about, eating. Isn't that awesome? Oh, Praise yeah. the Lord. It's about, it's, about, it's about eating in the presence of God and feasting on everything that he has for us. He sits at a table and says, would you join me? And then we have the opportunity to choose how we respond. If you're hearing this today, you've received the invitation. My prayer is that we would respond accordingly because this banquet is not something I would want to miss. No. Definitely not. And I think about, you know, when you have a family meal at dinner time, what happens? You know, the person cooking, it's like, clang, 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 dinner's ready, get oh, in yeah. here, you know? And I just love how great of a picture that is for the present tense narrative of this statement, right? Like, the kingdom is ready now. now. It's time to eat now. So for my sister's wedding, she was engaged for about a year, but we didn't actually get the invitation. We had no wedding date, no save the date, nothing. We didn't know the date of the wedding until about two weeks before. She lives in the Central Valley. So we had to turn around real quick and respond. Actually, the RSVP date was passed when I got the invitation. It was awesome. <laughs> I was like, oh, leave I, it to family, right? I, I guess they family. marked me down as a yes already, I hope, you know? <laughs> uh, so we, you know, we... We were like, my brain was stuck on the fact that there would be a blizzard chasing us through the grapevine to get to the Central Valley from Southern California. 
And my family doesn't just have black tie attire pressed and ready in the closet. So we had to go out and buy all of that stuff. Right. You know, getting a suit for my husband was like a whole day thing. I had no idea, guys, the struggle that you go through <laughs> yes, to buy awful. a suit. Yeah, It's like finding that perfect dress. Yeah. Well, well yeah. Uh, Andrew was telling me when you guys were invited, he asked, uh, what should he dress like? You know, how fancy is this wedding? And yeah. they told Andrew, which if you know Andrew, he is casual. hilarious at all times and very casual. <laughs> they told him the fanciest suit you can find. And he said, say no more. Oh my so gosh. he went on Amazon and started finding like these gold flaked suits. And he's like, Marcus, what do you think? I'm like, you look like a magician. Don't do that one. Uh, <laughs> yeah. One of them had tiger stripes. It was yeah. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was great. Uh, but, but I mean, there's so many different things that get in our way when the invitation is there. Yes. Yeah. So many things. And, but we can't let that get in our way. We have to go because it's family. Yes, you do it. Right. And we refuse to let excuses get in the way. And this is why we make excuses. And we're just going to be really honest. We're just having a family conversation. We make excuses because we don't want to face the reality that possibly we're letting someone down or we are, or we are going to be let down. Yeah. We say, I'm not going to go because if I go and it's less than I expected, then I'll be let down. But I can't say that I'm just not going because then I would let them down. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to make up my excuse. And then we start to think of our excuses. Some of us have excuses in the pocket. You know you do. You have that same one. Oh, kids are sick. Like, no, they're not. I saw, I saw them yesterday. They're fine. You know, you're like, oh, yeah, the car, the car broke down. Uh, I see you at Smart and Final right now. Different car, different car. Uh, you know, like you have the excuses. And what happens after you get out of, of the event or whatever, you get excited because you're like, man, I finally don't have to go to that thing or get the gift or whatever. I'm happy. And then you see the pictures and you hear the stories and then you're immediately met with regret. Mm-hmm. So the truth is when it comes to our excuses, it's this, it's this idea of fear of like, am I going to let them down or be let down? I better just not go. It's a really dangerous place to be when it comes to the kingdom of God. And this is what they did. They all made excuses. First one said, I bought land without looking at it. Think about the amount of money these people had. Uh, just, yeah, just buy that land. I'll look at it later. So he had to go see what he bought and how much it was for to go look at that land. Um, look at it first, Right? And he goes, looks at the land, it's probably nighttime. That's what I keep thinking in this banquet. It's most likely like evening. Um, what are you going to look at the land at night? Like, they didn't have like a flashlight. It's like bringing lamps around and like, yep, yeah, looks like dirt to me. I don't know. I'm not sure. Is it going somewhere? Yeah, it's yeah. not going anywhere. Yeah. It's his. Yeah. It's not going to leave his hands unless he sells it. And then the other guy with the oxen, he's like, you know, I bought these oxen, so I'm going to go try them out at night. Rule of thumb. If you just bought some animals and it's nighttime, let them do animal things at nighttime, okay? Because you're going to walk up. You don't know if they get grumpy at nighttime like you and I do. You're not sure. They might kick you and punch you. You're not sure. Just let the animals be the animals. And then you have the wedding. It's like, I just got married. This one I kind of get. Yeah. Right? Either they just got married and that evening they're going to be busy. Amen? Yeah. Or, I hope so. Yeah. Or, or they, got, they got married and, and the husband was like, Hey, babe, we're going to have a guy's night. We're going to all head out. And she was like, no, we just got married. You're not going anywhere. And he was like, hey, can't go to the party. Right? I kind of get that one. I kind of get that. But either way, we let our excuses get in the way of meeting Jesus at the table to have this amazing party that he's set out for us. And some of our excuses may not look like the oxen. Maybe they do. I would love to hear that story. Uh, (laughs) But maybe the excuses sound like, I just don't have the time. God, you welcome me to feast at your table with you every single day with your word. 
the truth is I just don't have the time. Because I think you messed up when you made the 24-hour days. I think it was supposed to be 28. And if that were the case, I'd have a... God didn't mess up. What happens is we just overfill our schedules and then try to fit God in. And he says, no, I am the schedule. You make everything else work around me. That becomes one of our excuses. And then we miss the beauty of the banquet and we're wondering why everyone else gets to experience the beauty of the banquet, but we are sitting out. And then we remember, my excuses got in the way. My prayer is when it comes to Jesus looking for us at the meal, that he's not like, I thought Marcus was going to be sitting right there. Mm, that's good. But no, he's, he's, out, he's out busy right now. Yeah. I want him to see us at the banquet. Yeah. yeah. I just watched an episode of The Chosen where Jesus was waiting for the Pharisee at the fountain. Oh, yeah. And the Pharisee was so close to following Jesus. Yeah. And then he just throws a bag of money at him and hides behind the corner. And Jesus yeah. was like, oh, he was so close. So close. Right? Yeah. And he had every great excuse in the book. It wasn't how his life was built. <laughs> you know, we have great excuses, like avoiding a blizzard, right? Like that's a pretty good excuse to not drive <laughs> yeah. somewhere. Yeah. But we can't let the good excuses get in the way either. So we're gonna jump down to verses 23, 21 through 23 here in our Bibles. Let's take a look. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there's still room. Hmm. Then the master told his servant, go out into the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. So we've got God's invitation, right? We responded, we decided to show up, and so now we're at the party and we get to just sit, eat, and you know, leave without telling anybody when we're ready to go, right? That's, that's kind of how I like to show up at parties. The, the Irish goodbye. The Irish goodbye. Yeah, you're just gone. You don't oh, even know, you know? Um, but no, that's not what we get to do at God's party. We get to become a host of God's party, not just a guest. And I think about this, uh, my sister's wedding, it was, it was so great because everyone had a role. Not just the caterer and the bridal party, not just the family, everyone. Every guest had a role too. They were a part of the hype team and they were expected to show out at this <laughs> thing. You know, in the video you heard all the la, 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 la. That's like an expression of joy. It's awesome. They're a part of the hype team, and we needed a lot of people there to do it justice. We wanted to honor the bride and the groom, and we needed everybody participating. God's party requires participation too. It's interactive. We need a lot of people there to honor the master. Check out what it says here in verse 23. Then the master, he told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. This is why we want our churches to grow. (laughs) Right. It's not just about, ooh, look at us, how many seats we can fill. It's not just about us being able to go out and talk to people and say, oh yeah, I go to New Break Church and they're like, oh, I've heard of you guys. That's such a popular church. You're like, yeah, we're cool. (laughs) Yeah, no. It's so much more than that. This is not why, right? This is about kingdom participation. That's right. 
We want people who are engaged in the mission of God. We want everybody to be connecting with God through authentic relationships to serve communities. It's about participation. Because God's kingdom, it's, it's like infinity. Just imagine, right, at our parties, when people arrive, the more people that come in, the less room you have, right? You start to feel a little bit like, if you're like me, you're an introvert and I don't like big crowds, I start to feel like, ooh, people are too close. <laughs> I don't, this is uncomfortable, right? But God's kingdom is like infinity. Imagine, if you, the last party you were at, as everybody arrived, as people came in, the walls just kept pushing out and there was always just another table and another set of chairs ready and open And there was always another tray coming out from the kitchen for the buffet of like really good stuff, right? Just imagine. That'd be amazing. It's actually, in science, they would call it a metric expansion. It's like our space right now. Space is expanding currently, right now. It's as if God never stopped creating, which is just a whole mind-blowing, theological, (laughs) unreal thing to me. But they would say that you can't even go and expand and and try to understand all of space today because there will be more space tomorrow. God says, my kingdom's still getting bigger. He says, I still want it to be crowded. It doesn't make sense, and that's the best part about him. He says, I know, you won't understand. Just keep inviting people. Yeah, it's important for us to remember that God desires that his house would be full and that our hearts would be filled. This is not like a situation where the more people there are, it's not a pie graph, right? (laughs) It's not a situation where the more people there are, the less blessing I get, the less time with Jesus, the less room there is for me in the kingdom of God. No, this is a loaves and fishes, water to wine, miraculous situation. We don't have to leave anyone out. And God wants everyone to come. It's for everyone. God extends his invitation to everyone, and so do we. In this this passage, God is asking his servants, that's you and me, who have honored roles as hosts at his party, he's telling us, go out of your way to crowd my kingdom. Go out to the margins of society, go to the fringes of your comfort zone, go to the borders of your geography, crowd my kingdom. Why? because it is unacceptable to the master that he would have more riches than people to bless with it. Oof. Can, you, can you even imagine that? Instead of just you know, putting out less at the party, or I don't know, maybe just gathering up the leftovers for later, God opens up his party to the public. <laughs> and not just the privileged public, not just the folks on his block who can afford the same house as him, He sends his servants out and he says, I want you to go get the people you can reach. I want you to go get the people that you can influence. Because he doesn't want to have more riches than people to bless with it. Let's let verse 21 sink in here for a second. Go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Now, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes... Messy people make me uncomfortable. I hope I'm not alone in saying that. And I remember um, after college, I graduated from San Diego State with my degree um, in public health, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna go use my degree. And so I became a missionary with Amor Ministries, which if you haven't heard of Amor Ministries, they're one of our Kingdom Builders partners. And um, we go on a house build trip with them every year around Memorial Day. 
If you haven't been on that trip or on a one-day trip, I highly, highly recommend it. It's life-changing to go on these trips. So I was working with Amor Ministries, and uh, we took a trip out to a place called Puerto Penasco, which is just south of the Arizona border. And the families that I met there, they're not like the families in Tijuana. I've been all around the world. I've seen lots of poor families. But these families, they are the poorest I've ever met. And the word poor in this verse, it means destitute, like people who have nothing. And so this family that we were building a house for, they lived way out in the sands of the desert. They were not close to anything. They were not close to a church. They were not close to their kids' schools. They weren't close to a hospital. They weren't close to other people. They were really far away. And their house was just four sticks of driftwood that they had buried in the sand and tied a tarp to the top of it. Their kitchen was an open trash fire. They got their water from the water trucks that drive around Mexico and fill up those tombos. They look like the, um, the, like rain, the rain, rain barrels. Yeah, yeah, the rain barrels that we have at our houses. And that's not drinking water. But they were using it for drinking water and to cook because that's all they had. That's all they had. And so, yeah, we came and we built them a house and you know, brought all the resources and the labor and all that stuff, but that's not the most impactful part of the story. The best part of the story is that the local church in Puerto Penasco, the people of the church, they were the ones that saw this family and said, no matter how messy, no matter how difficult, no matter how uncomfortable or intimidating it is, to go find this family. These are the people that God wants in his kingdom. Mm. Let's go get them. So they went to their pastor and they said, hey, we've got to do something. We've got to help these people. And their pastor connected with Amor Ministries and that's how they got their house. But it was the local church that made that house a home for that family. And that's what, that's what we get to do. This is, as the local church, we are the local church. We fully believe that the local church is, is God's response to the needs in the world. And we get to partner and invite them to be present at the table of God. And you're looking at this story and you're thinking the, uh, the poor, the crippled, blind, and the lame, and maybe you're thinking you've never experienced that, or maybe you have. Maybe you understand uh, the depths and the pains of poverty. I remember growing up, uh, we were in our uh, green van that was falling apart um, with uh, my mom driving, and I had my, my friend, I invited him to church. I really didn't believe much about it, but I was like, we have fun at this place, and it's middle of the week. Why not? Come on. Yeah. So he came. We went to church. Everything was great, but then we're driving home, and we were his ride home. Uh, we're driving home with all of us in the car, and uh, my mom realizes we have no gas in the van, and we didn't have money for gas. Uh, we were just kind of hoping we'd make it on fumes. And then like, you know, when you're running low on gas and you start to get the dun, 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 you know? Uh, I know some of you guys, you know that feeling. I know I'm not the only one. Uh, we start to feel that and uh, my mom starts praying. And I didn't know much about this whole God stuff, but I did know my mom was a prayer warrior. And so she starts praying, we start praying and the little gauge started lifting up. And my buddy Kyle looks at that and he goes, what's going on? And I was like, I don't know, you know, it was blown away. But all I could think of was in this moment that God saw us, he, we had nothing. And he says, I own everything. What are you yeah. talking about? Gas to get home? Don't even worry about it. You're praying too small. We should have prayed for a full tank. We would have saved some money. That's what we should have done. Yeah, not just uh, half a tank. <laughs> yeah, come on. Uh, but, but like, if you know that feeling of, of not being sure where your next meal is coming from, you're not alone. 
If you know that feeling of, of being unsure if, if rent is going to be paid or if, or if that room is going to be available for you or if you're going to get a bed to sleep in by yourself because you've been sharing your bed with your sibling your, most of your life, you're not alone. If you've been living in your car, you're not alone. But the best part about this is it's not just fiscal poverty. We're not just talking about finances. What we're talking about is, as she said, destitute. This is also a spiritual poverty. In fact, what in, in the book of Matthew, uh, part of the Beatitudes, Jesus would actually say, blessed are the spiritually poor. Mm-hmm. Blessed are those who realize they have nothing to give because I get to bless them. I get to empower them. Yeah. He sees us in our spiritual poverty. He sees us when we're spiritually crippled or spiritually blind and we can't see what God is doing. And he says, I want you to be at the party because I'm going to unveil your eyes and you're going to be able to see the full kingdom and everything in your life is going to change. He sees us when we feel like we have nothing to offer, when we don't want to get out of bed, when we feel like there's nothing that he can do. And he says, just show up. I'll be there and everything will change. Those are the people he's looking for. Those are the people that he wants at his table. And for any of us looking at this list, if you're thinking, that's not me, we're missing the story. Yeah. He's saying, that's us. So Marcus, you wouldn't be here if someone didn't see you, poor, crippled, blind, and lame, and invite you to the table. That's right. Every one of us in here is here today because there's someone that saw you and said, I see you. I saw you exactly for who you are. The other day I was on a bike ride uh, with Chaz, who's in the room, um, and we went a little farther than we expected, which is always a good time. Uh, we were actually uh, riding, riding down in um, Ocean Beach, and we saw just a lot of these tents, and uh, the unhoused, uh, people who are unhoused just living there, and as we rode by, we would just say, good morning. And it, was like, it was like time stopped for them, like, good morning to me? And as we just kept doing it down the line, good morning, good morning, you know, they started to look up. Like, oh, hi, good morning. Because <laughs> they're people. And you're people. God sees you. And he saw me and he saw you. And he said, would you come to my table? I don't want anyone to miss out. But the truth is, we like to decide who's going to God's party. Like I said, I don't want to invite, I mean, people on that list, no. I like inviting the wealthy so they can do something for me. I like inviting the people that, that can see what I'm going through so they can actually help me. And God says, no, don't worry about any of that. Yeah. But God, God, they get a little messy and then they come in and start asking weird things and, and they might say something that might embarrass me. And God says, yeah, you do that all the time, Marcus. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Bring them in. Welcome them. Invite them to the table and watch God change their lives because that's not on us. Our role is to be host. Invite them, have them come and meet Jesus. I said it a few weeks ago, we're not in the people-changing business. We show them who Jesus is, and he transforms them. And what a beautiful thing it is that he sees us and transforms us, and then our behaviors begin to change. That I don't have to clean up before I just stand before God. It's a beautiful thing to invite people to his table. Absolutely. I don't know about you guys, I hope I'm not the only one, but sometimes I pray this prayer when it comes to inviting people that make me uncomfortable. I pray, God, will you put somebody in their life that can reach out to them? And God answers, I did. It's you. Woof. And I'm if you're like, taking oh, notes, man. <laughs> write that one down. Yeah, we like to say no for people because it's easier for us, right? So I think we have to face this and ask ourselves, 
who have I answered no for already ahead of time? Said, oh, no, they'll never come. They'll never say yes. They're too busy or they're too this or that or whatever. Who have we answered no for? A couple of weeks ago, um, I got to go to Springfield, Missouri for International Women's Day. And I was there because we all partner with King, through Kingdom Builders with Convoy of Hope. And they had a conference for Women's History Month and they were celebrating all of the women's empowerment work that they do all around the world. And it was so cool. I was just so honored to be there. I right. felt like, wow, how did I get here? This is amazing because of what you guys do with us. We were able to give them a check for $50,000. Come on, that's, give God a yeah. hand. And that sponsored hygiene kits that everyone at this lunch, we made them together. And right now they're being sent out all the way around the world for women who need them. I just thought that's so incredible. How did I end up here? I even got to meet Simon Majumbar. Any uh, Food Network fans in the house? Yes. <laughs> Guys Groceries, Bobby Flay, yes. He knows all those people. <laughs> it's awesome. And he was like making a lunch for us. He was demonstrating how he was cooking the food that I was eating. I was like, this is so good. And now I know how to make it. It was so awesome. And they shared with us a couple of the stories of the women that they work with all around the world. You guys get this. They work with 99,000 women in 18 different countries. Amen. Giving them skills so that they can have jobs and resources that they never had access to before. But the most powerful thing about that number, 99,000 women, is what they then turn around and go do for their families, for their communities. Check this out. Women invest up to 90% of their income back into their households and manage it toward nutrition, food, healthcare, school, and income-generating activities. This helps break the cycle of intergenerational poverty. It's not just breaking a cycle in their generation. It's breaking a cycle of poverty for the next generations, too. It's so hard to believe that our world, our society, that we ever said no for these women who Jesus so clearly sees as valuable and having the ability to add value to our world. It's really hard to imagine that. The fact that we would say no to uh, the poor, yeah. the blind, the crippled, the lame, to you, to me, that we would say no when God has already said yes, yeah. as if it's our party. As if it's our party. <laughs> I love that. It's not our party. It's not our party. It's not our right to skip over people right. that God wants invited. So I want to take a second here and let's ask God this question together. Who's God putting on my heart to invite to the party? Not who's God in, who does God want Newbreak to invite? Not who does God want Pastor Marcus to invite? Who's God putting on my heart to invite to the party? God wants everyone invited to the party. We talked about that. Yeah. It's an inclusive invitation. But more than that, he wants them to say yes. Imagine that. So how do we make compelling invitations? Well, one way to make a successful invitation is to share your stories of things that God has done in your life and that you see that he wants for other people. What do I mean by that? 
Well, for example, I lead a life group called Mental Health Matters. And some of the things that I want for this group are I want people to feel safe. I want people to feel unashamed about asking for help that they need with their mental health. I want them to learn about mental health in general. I want them to become more aware of their own mental health. But I want them to feel like they can ask for the help they need. So in the first meeting of every season in this life group, we sit down and we get together and we, we have an opportunity for people to say what it is that brought them to this life group. And I go first because it usually takes a couple minutes for people to feel comfortable sharing things like that with a room full of people that they don't know very well yet. And I share about my own struggle with depression and anxiety. I share about how I felt confused and ashamed of asking for help. I share about how the people at this church, when I told them I was hurting, they supported me. And they said, there's no shame in that. Go get the help you need. We'll walk, you, we'll walk with you through it. And then I share about the difference that God has made in my healing, how far I've come. You guys, it's night and day. Amen. It's forever changed my life. God has healed so many things about my mental health. I'm not done yet, obviously. None of us get to be done, <laughs> right? But I share about what God's doing in my life and what I'm learning now. And then I just make sure we all have access to a flyer invitation. And without fail, each new season, people come into the group and they say, I came because so-and-so came last time and they told me about their own healing process and I want that and they invited me and I came. We could do this for anything, right? right. You think about, um, has God maybe put somebody on your heart that has been thinking about getting baptized? Could you share your baptism story with them? What about people who feel like God has abandoned them and the church has betrayed them? Could you tell them a story about how God came through for you at the hands of his people? I know people who feel purposeless in their life. Their passion has just died out. Could you share a story with them about an outreach that you went on, that when you were serving other people, your heart just came alive and you felt on fire because you were wired to help human beings and you didn't know it until now, but you feel so filled with purpose because of it. We can do this with anything. Right. And after you share your story, my friends, it's just logistics date, time, and place, right? <laughs> That's why we make invite cards for y'all. We make invitations on ways to give to our Kingdom Builders partners. We make invitations for students' ministry. We make invitations for every kind of life group you could want. <laughs> we make invitations, there's another one. We make invitations for high school hangouts. We make invitations for the middle, join the life group's team, ministry teams, outreach. I mean, I can't hold on to all of them. <laughs> we make invitations for Superbook because we want you guys to have tools in your hands when you share your story with people. And they say, wow, how do I get some of that? And you go, well, here you go. <laughs> Easy. You just come, come with me. We make invitations for Easter because that's coming up. Right. It's around the corner. It's, it's amazing to me that with something as small as an invite, as we just read in this passage, um, the goal was that God's house would be full. Yeah. 
Uh, Pastor Kumar shared that our goal as believers is to crowd the kingdom. That's ever expanding. So we've got a lot of work to do. Amen. Uh, my prayer is that we would be willing to invite people to our tables. I think about the uh, people even here at, at the church that just do that so well. I think about the different tables my wife and I have had the pleasure to be at, uh, many of your tables. Uh, just, just the other night, having, having dinner at a table and a fire with a family from Newbreak. Think about the families like the Wowers who open up their house once a month and barbecue the Lord's goodness Amen. for their entire neighborhood. And anyone can come, people like me. Imagine if we did that with the kingdom of God. We said something has totally transformed in my life and I want you to experience it. We do this about food places we really like. What if we did it about a God who gave his son for us? So you have to try this. But first, it's our responding to the invitation ourselves in the room. If you just close your eyes for a moment, maybe you could just place yourself, just imagine yourself at this meal. But you're still outside. You can see inside, you can see the table, you can see that there's a space for you. Your name is already on it. That, that all you have to do is walk forward and someone will pull the chair back so that you can sit down and sit with Jesus and experience this feast for all time. The best thing you could ever imagine. But God is waiting for our response with one word. Yes. Yes to your will, yes to your way, yes to following you, yes to becoming more and more like you, yes to breaking free from addiction, yes to breaking free from the chains that are enslaving me, yes from breaking free to all my doubt and my shame, yes from breaking free to anything that is pulling me away from all that I'm designed to be in you, God, yes to anything that I have, that have said no to before that draws me closer to you, yes to you and no to everything else. We just have to say yes. So if you're in the room and maybe you haven't said yes, it's been a while, or maybe you haven't said yes and you've just been waiting for an invitation, the invitation is here. If you feel like your relationship with God has been so distant and so difficult, you're like, God, what do I have to do? And he just says, just say yes. If that's you, if you would just lift your hand, maybe it's your first time or it's the first time in a long time, God, I. I want to be at your table. I want to be with you. Even online, if you say, God, I want to be at your table, I'll say yes to you. You can just type in yes. Because the invitation is open for every single one of us. I see you. And he sees us. And so God, for those of us that are wondering what it's like to be at your table, show it to us. Make it real for us that we get to experience the feast of the kingdom of God. That is not just a moment in time, but that is everlasting. Not linear time, but time that holds the present moment the most beautiful way that it possibly could for eternity. God, let us be at your feet. So church, would we all just pray together? Would you just say out loud with me, God, God I know that I've been invited. I know I've been invited. So I say yes. So I say yes. And with my yes, with my yes I ask, Lord, that you would hear me. That you would welcome me. That you would welcome me. And love me like only you can. Love me like only you can. Let me be changed forever. Let me be changed forever. By being in your presence. By being in your presence. And teach me. And teach me. How to invite others. How to invite others. To experience. To experience. This very moment. This very moment. That if I'm honest. If I'm honest. At times. At times I can view as common. I can view as common. 
your presence, your presence is, never common. is never common. Jesus, I thank you. Jesus, I thank you. Forgive me. Forgive me. And eat with me. And eat with me. In your name we pray. Amen. Give God a hand because he's a powerful, amazing, powerful God.